This is Nuclear Explained. Welcome to Nuclear Explained. In our previous episode, we explained how nuclear energy is part of the solution when it comes to climate change and energy security. In this episode, we're going to speak to countries who are turning to nuclear power to help meet their net zero and sustainable development goals. I'm your host, Jeff Donovan. And I'm Joanne Liu. There are a number of nuclear newcomers around the world. Nuclear newcomers are countries who are interested in or already in the process of introducing nuclear power. And it's no easy process. Nuclear power programs require years of development and a mix of specialized, well-trained professionals with a range of expertise, like engineering, nuclear security, legal frameworks, and more. Before we hear from two nuclear newcomers, Ghana and Bangladesh, we will learn about the growing interest and pathway to deploy nuclear power. There's approximately 30 countries embarking on nuclear power as, as of today. There are also over 20 other countries who have expressed interest. This is Michelle Scott. Michelle is a senior nuclear infrastructure development expert at the IAEA. She will explain how the IAEA assists countries in pursuing nuclear power. With respect to the IAEA and our assistance to uh, newcomer countries, we use um, a methodology or a framework called the Milestones Approach. And it's a phased approach, and it has three phases to it. In the phase one, there's approximately 15 countries who are investigating um, if they should pursue nuclear. And in that investigation, they do various studies in country to look at their uh, infrastructure in countries to see what they have, the assets that they do have, and what gaps that they have in country that we need to assist them with. So that first phase, they really haven't taken a decision yet on whether or not they're in fact going to pursue nuclear power. Phase one is a, a number of feasibility studies looking at infrastructure in country like siting and things like that, uh, what areas and gaps so they can present to their governments a comprehensive document that ascertains should they move forward with nuclear. What do you mean by infrastructure? Infrastructure as it relates to nuclear power, it has soft um, areas and they have hard areas. So for soft areas, infrastructure could be the legal framework of the country, siting. Uh, uh, would be a hard issue. Like so, finding a place to actually where the plant would be right. built. What site locations you would want to potentially uh, do site characterization to see if that would be an appropriate site to build a nuclear power plant on. Uh, human resource development, again, it's a soft um, infrastructure issue that they have to analyze. What type of capabilities, human resource capabilities they have in country uh, as they're moving forward and what they actually have to plan to develop in terms of how many nuclear engineers, how many technicians, uh, and other disciplines that they would need to support developing a nuclear power plant in their country. And in this milestones approach, there are... 19 issues. 19 different infrastructure issues that a country needs to address over yes. three phases. You've talked about the first phase yes. where they're doing the studies, and then we move into the second phase. What What is that? So in the second phase, they've made a uh, decision to move forward with nuclear, and now they're building the capacity in country 
to develop a nuclear program because phase three is actually building and then operating. So in phase two, you're looking at developing your uh, the owner-operator who's going to operate the plant. That's very human resource intensive, as well as the regulatory body because you need a competent regulator to regulate uh, a nuclear power plant. Those have to be ready to start developing a nuclear power plant in phase three. You're also looking at doing site characterization because in phase one, you've um, done site surveys. So you've down-selected one or two sites, maybe three in phase two, and then you're actually gonna do some site characterization. There's about 15 countries or so that are in this phase one, this initial phase. What are we looking at in the other phases in terms of numbers of countries? I would say there's approximately nine countries in phase two and three countries in phase three. That means that there are three what the IA calls newcomer countries that are currently building uh, a nuclear power plant. Yes, Bangladesh, Turkey, and Egypt. What are the factors that are driving uh, these countries to consider nuclear power? I would say energy security, climate change, meeting their uh, sustainable development goals, and specifically economic development, bringing the standard of living in the country higher. Also looking at how they can marry Uh, the renewables in their country with nuclear power. In addition to that, countries are also looking at nuclear, not only for uh, generating electricity, but also supporting uh, manufacturing base that will help from an economic prosperity uh, point of view. But the crux of it in terms of energy security, having different sources of energy to ensure in light of what's happening globally and global inflation, energy costs going up, that they have a steady base load uh, energy source to support when you don't have renewables, when you don't have uh, wind, you you don't have sun, you have a steady baseline, a base load uh, energy source supporting your country. A base load source that's also uh, low carbon together with those variable renewable sources. With the newcomers that the IEA is working with now, what are the regions that they're coming from uh, primarily? There's a number of countries in Africa uh, who have expressed interest or engaged with us in working to develop their nuclear programs. Uh, Southeast Asia, a number of countries there are interested in nuclear power. There are also some countries in South America that are also considering nuclear power as well. Are they looking at any particular nuclear technologies to fit their specific uh, you know, energy context? Yes, they are. Uh, small modular reactors is a new novel technology that's being developed by a number of different countries. And um, embarking countries are very interested based on their grid size, um, uh, financing, and such. They see small modular reactors as a way to bringing nuclear into their country. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. Small modular reactors, or SMRs, offer options for more countries to add nuclear to their energy mix. Check out previous episodes on nuclear reactors to learn more about SMRs and how nuclear reactors generate electricity. At the 2022 UN Climate Change Conference, Ghana launched its National Energy Transition Framework which aims for 50% of its electricity to be nuclear generated by 2070. In our energy transition program, nuclear energy featured strongly because of its ability to drive our goal towards net zero. This is Robert Sobaji from Ghana's Ministry of Energy. 
Robert is the Deputy Director of Power and coordinates the Ghana Nuclear Power Program. In this next segment, we'll learn about Ghana's experience so far and when they can expect nuclear energy to power their homes. Nuclear was considered in our energy mix um, way back in the 1960s. But due to political instability, the plan was curtailed. And then in the early 2008, we started having electricity problems the then president decided to establish a committee to investigate whether we can go back to our nuclear program. So in 2010, nuclear became an option in the national energy policy. Nuclear is going to play a major role in our energy mix and in terms of decarbonization. We had the option of choosing coal, which was cheaper than our gas, the nuclear. But then the fact that coal is going to um, increase our emissions of greenhouse gas, it wasn't an option for us in our energy transition. And our large hydros have also been exhausted. And then when we look at our wind and solar, because of the intermittent nature, it wasn't an option. How is Ghana approaching the cost of nuclear and the long-term investment that is required, not just financially, but also in terms of human resources. Before we finished phase one, we had a document called the Program Comprehensive Reports. And in this report, we stated how we intend to um, finance a human resource. Ghana also has um, a school under the University of Ghana called the School of Nuclear and Allied Science, which was established in 2016 and has been training various people in the field of nuclear, including nuclear physicists, nuclear engineers, and other techniques in nuclear application. We also have agreements with our partner countries uh, for human resource development, and currently some of our people have been sent um, to their schools. When it comes to the cost, the funding of the projects, currently government is funding all the activities that we have done. We did not hire any consultants. Everything was done by Ghanaians and was reviewed by the International Atomic Energy Agency. But as we reach phase two, we know that we will now need expert experience to be able to move into the phase two, especially looking at the financial modeling. We are looking at various models where we look at EPC plus finance. What does that stand for, EPC? EPC is engineering, procurement, and construction plus F, which is finance. So for that model, you have your money and you are calling the vendor country to say, come and build, and at what cost, and then I'll pay you. Because nuclear is a huge project, you have this negotiation with the institution to provide you funding, and that makes your the project is 100% owned by you. Another consideration for newcomer countries is infrastructure, particularly the electrical grid system. What is the status of Ghana's grid system? Currently, we have an installed capacity of over 5,400 megawatts. 
and we have a transmission line of more than 6,800 kilometers. In deploying a nuclear power plant of more than 1,000 megawatt units or 2,000 megawatt units, when we are looking at the West African sub-region, nuclear power plants can comfortably sit in Ghana and provide electricity into the West African power pool. But when we concentrate in Ghana, based on the grid infrastructure projections, the amount of money that the grid requires to upgrade, when you integrate nuclear into the grid, you only need about $100 million just to make sure that nuclear is introduced safely. Now, when you look at the cost of the nuclear power plant, or let's say a thousand megawatt nuclear power plant, and you need only a hundred million dollars just to make sure that it is able to sit in the grid, then that is a drop in the ocean. However, if we are looking at small modular reactors, then we don't need to make any modification or any upgrade to the grid as it is now. Based on Ghana's experience over the last 10 years or so, what kind of advice would you give to other countries who are interested or who are also embarking on a nuclear power program? What I would say is that um, just like Ghana, we took our time to make sure that we followed the IEA milestones. They should continue the public sensitization and make sure that the public will accept the nuclear technology. Ghana is also open for any newcomer country who wants to learn from us the way we did it and the way we are doing it, the challenges uh, we faced to um, implement our nuclear program. Energy security in their country comes first because it leads to the industrialization and economic stability. And I have one final question. When do you foresee nuclear powering homes in Ghana? Based on our roadmap, I'll say latest by 2032, we should commission our first nuclear power plant in Ghana. You're listening to Nuclear Explained. From Africa to Asia, we go to Bangladesh. As Michelle mentioned earlier, Bangladesh is in phase three of the milestones approach. Bangladesh began construction of Rupur nuclear power plant in 2017. In this last segment, we will learn about Bangladesh's energy mix and the challenges of building the country's first nuclear power plant. I am Dr. Mohammad Shogat Akbar, Project Director, Rupur Nuclear Power Plant Project and Managing Director, Nuclear Power Plant Company, Bangladesh Limited. To begin, please describe the energy landscape here in Bangladesh. Over the last 13 years, government has already added around 20,000 megawatt to our previous generation capacity around 4,900 megawatt. Among this generation capacity, more than 50% is from indigenous gas and around 34% based on imported liquid fuels. Around 8% is from coal, remaining around 2.5% from hydro and renewable. Taking into consideration of the development objectives, attaining the goals of sustainable development, 
and to transform Bangladesh to a developed nation, government focuses on generation of clean energy. The government is expecting to produce around 40 percent by 2041 from green sources, carbon free sources. So what is that mix going to look like by 2041? The mix of a different forms of renewables as well as nuclear will ensure this upcoming 40%. Well, as a newcomer country, what have been the greatest challenges to establish a nuclear power program? So it is very important uh, to ensure the funding before starting the construction. This is one of the, uh, one of the great challenge, but we are very lucky we organized this funding for Rupur without any difficulties and we secured the fund before, before starting construction. Second issue as a newcomer country, issue of nuclear governance. Because nuclear governance is not only the uh, obligations of a nation, it is the obligations to international community. To address this nuclear governance, a newcomer country has to create appropriate infrastructure in accordance with the guidance requirements of international community, especially IAEA. It is also difficult to find relevant experts in all areas. If these issues could be resolved at the preparatory stage, people achieving and the milestone one, definitely the project could be implemented successfully. What kind of international support is there? At the initial stage, to become a knowledgeable customer, to deal with the contractor, or to deal with the vendors, or other neighboring countries, the IA support is crucial. To know what to do, to know the requirements of nuclear governance, to know the basic requirements of nuclear project, the first international partner is International Atomic Energy Agency. We are a newcomer country, we have to select the vendor country. And vendor uh, country is another uh, bilateral partner for the projects. There are challenges, and you've touched on financial, how important it is to have the government support. What about other challenges about nuclear in general? Nothing is impossible for a newcomer country because globally we are in a nuclear family. So we could share in a transparent way the issues, concerns, how against country is dealing, how IAE is supporting. So in this regard, for the nuclear fuel cycle, we focused uh, the IA prescription multilateral approach. We studied several options. We found one of the important options, that is fuel leasing and take-back option. How it could be made as a national policy and how it could be made as an option for Rupur. So when we selected a vendor along with the technology, the vendor country should take care of some of the infrastructure issues, especially how to deal with uh, the spent fuel and how to deal with low and intermediate waste. For the spent fuel, uh, we had an option for Rupert project that the vendor country will take back the spent fuel for management. For the low and intermediate waste, we are creating infrastructure, adopting proven technologies for waste management. So I like to assure that Rupur Nuclear Power Plant has its own storage facilities with proven technologies for managing low and intermediate waste.
How has the public responded to nuclear power in Bangladesh? Last few general elections, parliamentary elections, all political parties in their development objectives manifest to put Rupur. This site was selected, especially Rupur, in early 1960s. Bangladesh is a very densely populated country, but people never ask government to back the land for cultivation. So we are now conducting surveys. Even many academic institutions are conducting independently the survey. And we found that all surveys provided very good result, highest level acceptance for nuclear. When will nuclear begin to power the homes businesses across Bangladesh. We will bring in nuclear fuel uh, this year. That means Bangladesh in principle, Rupur NPP will become an operating organization with its fuel from 2023. We will generate electricity in 2024. It will change the technological scenario of the nation. It will change academic and nuclear science and technology related research and it will ensure to produce carbon-free energy and transform a nation from one level to another level. You are listening to Nuclear Explained. Here are some interesting facts. There are about 420 nuclear power reactors in operation around the world. In addition to powering millions of homes and businesses, 67 of those reactors also provide low-carbon heat for residential and industrial buildings, as well as seawater desalination. And in the future, nuclear power could do even more to help decarbonize the transportation and industrial sectors, which account for around 40% of global emissions. Go to iaea.org podcast for information and resources related to this episode and more. We also want to hear from you. Have a question, feedback, or interesting facts to share? Email us at nuclearexplained at iaea.org. And don't forget to subscribe to Nuclear Explained to learn more about the world of nuclear and how it impacts our daily lives. You can find us on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm Joanne Liu. And I'm Jeff Donovan. Thanks for listening to Nuclear Explained, brought to you by the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency. You have been listening to Nuclear Explained.